Bobby McGee, this is episode number 32. The episode starts right now. Oh boy, so this is the part where I usually like break out in song. You know, I'm all chipper, I'm in a good mood, but I think I carry kind of a heavy heart today, you know? Um, so many of, of um, so many sports icons and so many celebrities are just peop- people in which and whom many look up to and who set the standard and the measuring stick in which a lot of people would like to compare themselves to passed away this weekend. Um, we're going to start the episode. We got a lot to cover. We're going to cover the NBA, maybe a little Lakers Clippers. Um, and of course, uh, we'd let, we're, we're going to discuss LeBron James and them boycotting like one game and threatening to boycott the, the, the rest of the postseason. All of these things come into, um, into play. Bruce, uh, Coach Bruce Arians and <laughs> I guess his GM having a little spat. But let's start with the elephant in the room inside and out of sports. Chadwick Boseman passed away. At the age of forty-three, uh, big heartbreaker for us, Rob. Where were you when um, when you heard that? Um, man, I I think I was uh, you know at home waking up and you know heard the news. Uh, my girl told me the news, and I was just you know just when you when you hear about something like that because it's tragic, you know. It's I mean, maybe it was terminal for him, you know, but. You know, you, you, we didn't really know that much, and um, you know, he had some iconic roles, and and it's just very difficult because when you have somebody who's like we're saying so iconic, who has, uh, who's such a figure, you know, who's such a who has such a presence about him, um, and uh, you know, like uh, I've read before, where so many young kids looked up to him, you know, like he was the the african-american the young african-american kids you know christopher reeves back in the day you know where you know my dad be talking about christopher reeves who you know um passed away from from als um and it's just you know it's terrible but uh it, it just puts like a different um an idea onto you know how iconic even those movies are those those like when chadwick boseman passed away and you know uh or not pass away, he goes to, you know, the other realm and talks to his, you know, ancestors, you know, and that means so much now because in essence, you know, his character is, is passed away. So it's just very interesting, you know, how, um, how in such a short time, you know, not many people maybe knew Chadwick Boseman like five years ago, and then he came such an iconic character. And then now it's just, uh, you know, rest in peace. Yeah. I mean, think about this. Uh, Thurgood Marshall played Marshall. Jackie Robinson played 42. James Brown in the movie Get um, Get, uh, Get Up. Black Panther in the movie Black Panther. All of these iconic, not just iconic African-American figures, but iconic um, 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 Americans. And, and, and uh, um, he portrayed this, this Marvel superhero and part-time Avenger so well that you think Wakanda is a real place, <laughs> right? You think Wakanda is a real, a real, um, a country and you think the Black Panther actually was, was, or is a real person. So it's so crazy that you, 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 you know, again, Jackie Robinson, iconic American figure, not just African-American figure. 
um, James Brown, the hardest working man in America, <laughs> Thurgood Marshall, you know, the, the big civil rights attorney. And, and, and out of all of these iconic figures you can play, I can't even believe the one that leaves a lever, an everlasting um, memory is a character that, that is fictional. <laughs> the guy is amazing. There's an old saying, Rob, and we're both we both identify with being black um, in more ways than one, if not all, always. Um, white people have a career; black people have a responsibility. And it's so weird that, like, you look at some white white celebrities or white people that other people look up to. They can have a flaw, you know. They they cheat on their wife. Uh, that happened, uh, you know. This dude might have said the N word, like. 40 years ago, but he's not that guy now. And he's he was down, but he turned around. And you have all of these great ways to, to emulate people. And even some people you can make rationalizations before because if your mind's set on if you like someone, you like someone, right? And I'm getting somewhere with this. Mm -hmm. uh, to quote Joe Rogan, it's very, very easy to take someone at their worst moment or to pick out all their worst moments and then just forget all the good stuff they did and just concentrate on that and tell everybody, oh, that's who that person is with a collective whole. Um, it's easy to do that. I think it's lazy, but, you know, I guess lazy is easy. With that being said, you're not going to find a whole bunch of stuff on, on Chadwick Boseman. You're just, you're just not. The, the guy was squeaky clean. And as far as the whole mantra of white people have a career, black people have a responsibility, the man was the very essence of responsible. The man didn't, he didn't, he's, I mean, I was looking through his filmography as well as his television and all of the roles he played, like if I were a black, if I were a black man in his situation and I just, I want to be something kids could look up to, I take all of those roles all the way up, all the way up to Black Panther. It's amazing. What an amazing career this man had. And, and it's only so sudden because he's kept this illness secret. The, the director of Black Panther didn't know he had it. And if you're someone's director, Rob, let me tell you something. You know, you know his dick size, okay? You know, the, you know the size of his shoe. You know everything about him because you're with him 12 hours. Some of these, these sets, you, you, you run as much as 12, 12, sometimes 18 hours. And, and here he stands and, here, and now here he lies. And the only thing left was his immortality. And now he's truly an, um, immortal. He, he's no longer, no longer with us physically, but the man's spirit will live with us forever. Yeah. Which I guess we could use that as a said way to go into our next subject matter. Uh, former Georgetown coach John Thompson, uh, 27 years as a coach of Georgetown University, passed away at age 78. Um, some of the notable players he's coached is Sleepy Floyd. I'm turning back the clock for some of y'all. Patrick Ewing. East Coast, and even if you're a new Knicks fan, which are scarce, because I don't think we're going to find too many new Knicks fans, uh, um, you know Patrick Ewing. Alonzo Mourning, longtime Miami Heat uh, uh, center, came up after Patrick Ewing, eventually won a chip, uh, assisted by Shaq and, um, and uh, MVP by D. Wade. And Dikemba Matumbo, not in the house. <laughs> and uh, I guess as the drum roll, Allen Iverson. So... 
Um, I'll go first a little bit since I'm already yapping away about this. Uh, my reaction and my, and my first take when I heard this, I was extremely saddened because this almost piggybacked with, with Chad Bo- Chadwick Boseman, right? To quote, to quote Chris Rock, it's like, why the hell, you know, you taking all our black men, we only got eight. <laughs> so I'm just like, geez, you know, it's like in this climate where where people are, protesting peacefully and people are rioting and this person's running for office you don't believe him this person's running for you just need someone you can believe in black or white and then you 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 see these you then these people only in passing do you recognize and respect that there is goodness in the world this man was a father figure he wasn't just a coach he was a father figure you 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 get any quotes from espn or whatever and all that I'm going to say, uh, they're going to use the word father-like or like a father or father this, father that. Uh, particularly Ivan Allen Iverson, who was coming from a really bad place and had so many red flags coming into college. Um, just want to roll off some stats, and I'll save you the, other, the, the rest of them because I don't want to take up too much of it. Uh, first African-American to win an NCAA basketball title. Win-loss record, career wins and losses, 596 to 239. And and he's one of the many coaches that established the Big East as a powerhouse. Amazing. And that's my take. Yeah, for me, John Thompson, um, he kind of exemplified uh, the ability to, you know, break that ceiling. You know, he it was one of the, not one of the first African-American coaches out there, but he's one of the first that were tenured for such a long time and then was marginally successful i would call him highly successful i mean he got to you know and we're talking about the greats you know yeah you know picking well you win a chip if you win a chip you you know right totally but you know 27 years and you know the amount that he's won and the amount of players that he's had i would just say that it would be somewhat not to you know because at the end of the day we take race out of it and it's just who's the best who's not the best you know i'm not calling him a bad coach i'm just calling him a, a very good coach mm-hmm. but for african-american coaches he's one of the best because there hasn't been that many and that's the whole point is that i think he was a phenomenal coach because he was the type of coach just like doc rivers is who may not be the best x's and o's guy but he's a players coach he cares about the players he wants the best for the players and the players perform for him at the very best because they want the best for the coach and the university and they create a community out of it and I think that was one of the very first times I got to see, um, you know, the coach being involved with the team and the community being a good thing instead of a fundraiser or we need more money. We need to involve people because we need to grow the name. It's just, no, it's just uh, an inclusive thing. It was about, you know, if you're about Georgetown, if you're a Hoya, come in and be a, be a, be a part of it. Um, and I think that led to like, a, you know, a big culture shift in that area and more than we even know, you know, um, but yeah, just a very long tenured coach, a great coach, um, coached a lot of great players who were all fundamentally sound, very good players. And, um, you know, it's just very sad because I feel like he's the type of individual that had that type of leadership that, you know, people could ask him questions and people wanted to understand, you know, where to go. And like, like you're saying, like a climate like this, he's definitely a person that I would, you know, maybe suggest having that conversation and, and seeing where his voice is. So, you know, like you're saying in this climate, it's, I would love to have another strong 
um, veteran type of leadership um, just just in this world. So sad to see again. You know what? You know what I'd like to see in a coach? I mean, like you said, you you win a chip. Other coaches have won more chips, but it's hard to even get there. You get to the Final Four three times, that's cool too. You know, I mean, he would have had two chips if he didn't run into Michael Jordan. I mean, one of those, I believe, was in the finals against um, um, um. I mean, North Carolina had a really good team, too. <laughs> um, I mean, I think Jordan was a freshman at that time when he hit that winning shot. But you want to know what kind of coach I want to send my kids to? This is a stat I was going to say for later, but I'm going to just do it now. 97%, Rob, and for everybody listening at home, 97% of his kids stayed all four years and left with a college degree. I'm going to say that again to drill it into some people's heads in this world of of, of one and dones, which is okay too, right? Because I mean, right? I'm, I'm, you're going to use a kid to death, and at the end, he he ain't going to get an MBA contract. You want to make sure he graduates. So I'm going to say it again for everyone to appreciate this, only because a small percentage of kids that feel used actually get to the NBA. So I'll say this one more time: 97% of his kids stayed all four years and earned a college degree. 97%. Now, you look at that in the broad spectrum, and, and if you look up any stat at, at Georgetown University, I don't even think 97% of the, of the students there in their totality left with a college degree. That's just not, that's just not heard of. That's, in a perfect world, you'd like to see 97%. I mean, in an absolutely perfect world, you'd like, like to see 100%. But that is, that is what you call a hell of a coach. He's not just creating good volleyball players. He's creating responsible, good young men. Allen Iverson admits he's a different player, uh, a different human being because of him. You know, he and oh, Rob, moreover, last week, you remember we were talking about coaches like Larry Brown that kind of allow you to be yourself and your personality. And at the same time, he can manage that personality and hone it. And and you don't lose. It's not a distraction to your skill set. Mm-hmm. It's not a distraction to the team and the other players. He goes he goes to bat for all of his kids and 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 I think that's what a coach should do like Rob if you're playing for someone like a coach who's willing to give up his nights and weekends to go to go to bat for you as far as your game is concerned or or maybe you get in some trouble and 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 you you need someone to help you out how with that you know what that does that entices you to be a better person you know you're like yeah this dude is like you know, he's counting on me to be a good person, you know, to do the right thing. Totally. Maybe I should just do the right thing. So, and that, I mean, there are strong personalities that don't recognize that, but there are so many um, personalities that snap too when you have someone like that. Snap too. Yeah. So, you know, very interesting. Very interesting stat. Very sad to see the passing of these two. Um, all right, let's get into something a little bit more, uh, a little bit less somber, but still somber because they're level. So, there's nonsense. Uh, the NBA players last week, uh, led by the Milwaukee Bucks, sat out their playoff game last Wednesday. Um, afterwards, many players, including LeBron James, uh, were considering and even threatening to boycott the rest of the post the postseason. Um, Rob, is or was threatening the boycott the right move for the players at at that time? So, um, you know, and I'm thinking about this in the exact same way that I feel like we were just speaking about John Thompson having these kids coming out with 40-year degrees um, and and then being able to stack on top of that, being able to earn a living in the NBA, however much money you get, right? I think the same is true with this situation where 
no matter how much money you're making, at the end of the day, you still have to go home or go to your place in the bubble until you're allowed to go home because we're not even talking about that when we're talking about, oh, this guy has to go earn his $36 million a year because the season is the season and everybody just wants their entertainment. It's not that real. It's not that realistic, you know. LeBron James has a family. He's allowed to go see that family. He's allowed to not play if he wants to not play because this season he could have opted out from the season in the first place. You know, like people don't, we're not talking about that. So that's right. Um, the whole idea that the Milwaukee Bucks sat out of their playoff game, other players followed suit. That's right. They were um, the first. Yep. And it was for a purpose, right? The purpose behind it was that they were going to get social justice um, in, in, in a very tangible form. And they got that within a day, you know, and it, and it didn't stop the next game from happening. It was a clear, um, it's a clear and present protest about what they wanted. And it got done because they do have some instance of power. I'm not saying they have more power than the owners. I'm not saying that they have more power than the average person, but they do have the power of their platform to use what they have as a platform to talk about the issues that are about that each one of them faces, maybe not everyone, but each one of those people who actually faces a problem and it becomes a conglomerate. And then within that conglomerate, it's in the NBA, which is made up of over 90% of African-American players. So to, to, to think that this is not a realistic option is a problem. You know, I believe that, they can find better ways to do it. Like there was protests happening before the season started, during the season starting, and now for the season. Um, so they could have talked about this maybe a little earlier uh, before the season started. But point in point in case, everything's changing now. Uh, I don't. Feel, I feel like. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I'd love for the NBA to, to be what it was, the NFL to be what it was, but there are multiple issues happening at the same time, whether it's player safety, uh, NFL didn't want to handle that with concussions, and most sports are not about covering their players' medical issues full, full tilt. Um, and that's been an issue for many, many years. I think baseball is one of, or, yeah, I think baseball is one of the only team, um, sports that cover their players' medical issues full force i'm not totally controlled um totally stat triggered on that one but right. i'm pretty sure that most of the sports um don't cover their medical uh, uh expenses and that's just the coronavirus then we're going to talk about the injustices people face on the everyday you know it doesn't have to be there but it is there you know and if people talk about it enough it is a thing so it's not made up over thousands and thousands and thousands of things. You know, it's just a part of reality and we have to start living in reality and not the entertainment world. And I think that is really the message with, with the NBA players is that they have to juggle both sides of the coin of being this jester for the entertainment world, for everybody to watch. They can't go out in public because everybody knows them. They're a celebrity. You know, they have to stay home in private and then everybody has a say on everything they do. But then on the flip side, if they act like a human being, 
you know, they get chastised because they already do enough. They don't have to do more than they're doing already. You know, just shut up and dribble, you know, all this dumb crap. So, you know, it, it has to be one or the other. Either, I mean, it cannot be one or the other. You know, if it's one, it's both or it's neither. And it cannot be neither because we are human beings. So, mm-hmm. fine. They can shut up and dribble, but as soon as that game's done, they're going to speak and they have as much power as they deem to have. You know, that's what they're earning on that basketball court. So I feel like it's both. They will play like they have played, but when things happen, they have the power to shut that down by literally physically not playing. You know, the physical skill of getting on the court and making a bucket into the hoop, you know, is what people are asking for. And and, and people don't even know it's because in baseball, there's gambling, right? People can literally throw games. So you're talking about you want a sport back. What you're talking about is you want the the pure, unadulterated uh, physicality of somebody giving all of they of what they've uh, earned for 20 years to put onto a court to show you what they can do, and that's what you're asking them to do. That takes things. That takes 20 years of experience. That takes nutrition. That takes you know timing and warm up and warm down and being happy and being able to see your family. All those things matter to making that bucket, to bouncing that ball the next day, you know. So to, to just put put away the human aspect and say that people can't be human beings because they're a basketball player, because they've become one of the most successful people in this country, you know, it just really doesn't make logical sense. When I was in college, Rob, my first year professor told me, the reason why we're learning a certain style or technique of theater performance is you have to be able, if someone's paying to see 100 shows, you have different audience to watch 100 different performances or 50, give or take. You have to be able to perform, not the exact same way because we're not machines, we're people, but to perform in a, on close enough to the same wavelength that no matter who goes, they get the same quality performance every night. So everything we do as far as seeing us uh, process and set technique, um, scene work and uh, moment to moment action, stage savvy, all of that stuff comes into place. But a lot of a lot of it is to prepare you for the play. And I'm getting somewhere with this. It is to prepare you for the play, because if you had a bad day that day. If your girlfriend left you. If your cat died. If you lost, if that's not your sole source of income and you lost your real job, <laughs> the audience doesn't care. The audience uh, paid to see a good uh, to, to see a good performance, and that's and that you as a professional have to find a way to perform every single night that you're out there. Now, circle right back around the basketball. No matter if you're doing theater performance or if you're doing or if you're an elite athlete playing a sport. Those things have their limit and their levels to it. And and as far as hitting a brick wall and a psychological and mental brick wall was concerned, the Milwaukee Bucks, to their credit, led by the Greek freak who's not even American, didn't even doesn't even have a full appreciation of, of the plight of the African-American male in the United States of America. He grew up in Athens or, or a small town near Athens, led the charge. Because basically, just like LeBron does what the league does, the Bucks do what the Greek freak does. 
We both said last week and the week before that and the week before that and the week before that that there is no league, no professional sports league that is player-driven or run by the players than the NBA. Big up to Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Bucks for saying we're not taking the court. This is Wisconsin for Christ's sakes. And sooner and right after that, everybody else followed suit and everybody else applauded. And I I really think, I don't even think the owners, what's crazy thing is like sports owners where money, it's just about their bottom line. There hasn't been, I don't know if it's the commissioner or the owners or the combination of all of them. There hasn't been a body of people that's been more empathetic and supportive of everything they do, which goes to my second point. That's why you don't boycott the rest of the season. For you to not perform for a people whose demographic is largely African-American, who's being oppressed, who, who desperately needs a form of escapism. For you not to not perform for a sports franchise from the commissioner all the way up to the owners have done everything you asked them to do. You want us to contribute money to BLM? Boom. Do you, do you guys want to vote on the restart? Yeah, we want to vote on the restart. Um, okay, let's, let's pay for a bubble. <laughs> you know, let's create a bubble. Let's make sure you guys are tested. Make sure nobody, uh, as, as few people come up testing positive as possible. Right now, it's still nobody. Okay, now let's talk about getting your families in 10-day quarantine and they can come into the bubble too so there hasn't been as far as i'm not talking about biting the hand that feeds you because that sounds cheap i'm talking about um staying constant communication for the people who have, who have had your back uh, as far as social justice as far as your monetary gain <laughs> from day one all right i'm not talking about lebron james because everybody's like oh you know um i'm not talking about lebron james because lebron james can afford to miss this year and next year lebron james can stop playing basketball now today and probably still be the second highest grossing vol- uh, uh, basketball player ten, well ten you know merchandise and his brand 10 years into 10 years into retirement <laughs> and still make more money. So there I had concerns about 60 plus percent of the people who I'm not saying they're living check to check but you know more money's more problems <laughs> big bills. They they kind of need that. They kind of need that. So my first take was when the hell did, did somebody else's injustice stop a black man from going to work? <laughs> what? So but then you know, I listen to you because uh, um, just now, and I listen to the conversations you and me had across, uh, across just across the board about this. Because I don't, it's this is a new subject matter, but I, don't we feel like it's it's more the same? Don't we feel like it's 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 it does it does feel like more the same? So, so that's my take on it, and um, I'm glad they didn't. But I will I'll say this. I ain't going to be hopping mad if they did. I mean, the season already seems like a wash and they just look like they're working diligently to say what, what's there. The, you know, the ratings have been the lowest uh, uh, in a long time. And, and I think I think that'll change if they actually can make it to a finals. <laughs> I think once a conference finals or an NBA finals comes out, I think you're going to watch the ratings go up. But big up to Greek Freak, big up to the Milwaukee Bucks, big up to LeBron James because LeBron, I think, didn't have to boycott per se i think threatening the boycott is a, is a more serious game you know what i'm saying just like threatening to sue somebody is a more serious game than actually suing them so yeah i mean the other thing with that is like you know i i want you know i want games back as much as possible too but like you're saying like this is this is like a this is like the uh space jam of of nba right now you know it's like anybody who's anybody is on the team and then it's just like 
you know, so it's not, I'm not saying it's not a real season, but you know, it's called what it is. It's like an exhibition, you know, champion, uh, a playoff, you know, it's, it's, I think it's unfair that they started it where they started it and then they're going to go right into the playoffs. They might've just rolled it right into the playoffs. You know, everybody knew where everybody was going to land anyway. Um, And then the other thing is like um, with the whole backing, like LeBron, man, like, you know, Chris Paul is the uh, NBA players uh, association um, uh, chairman, but you know, LeBron is who all the people are going to follow. And uh, when when you have when you have like stuff like this happening, and, and we we've already done, we've already been through two or three issues where the players have responded with you know knee down, you know, you know uh, during during anthem, and then it was the uh, you know, fist up fist up during the anthem, and then all that is a problem. So it's like okay, so we're trying to say things, and now it's a problem. Okay, so let's do a knee down before the anthem. So it's not an issue. And then it wasn't an issue. And then it is an issue because people don't even care. And they just see somebody kneeling down in a picture. And it's the same thing going on. So it's just like, in the essence of should they play, you know, just a black and white in a vacuum? Of course they should play. They're getting paid. You play. But over time, if you look through history, what's happened and that they've, they've literally protested the right way multiple times and there's been nothing happening and in essence they've also i don't know if they've asked for things because this is this time they asked for something and they got three definitive things they got uh nba arenas being used for election ballots uh for mail-in ballot places um nice it's just very very to the point changes happen okay we gonna play like I don't get how that's a bad thing. I think this, this is something that you look forward to. You know, that's something that you say, look, this this is where two sides didn't agree in, in a very instance and they came together to create an answer, you know? Yeah, I really, and again, I there's no wrong way for them to do it. They've, they've, been, they've been batting a thousand as far as doing everything they could um, as celebrities to represent the community except physically go out there and protest themselves. And I, I don't think, I think... I, I, as much as you'd like to see celebrities be go out there and be like, oh, practice what you preach and this and that. I don't think I want a celebrity out in the protest. It just provides too much attention to that person where now all of a sudden the protest is making it about that person. So celebrities not out there protesting is, is not a bad thing. That is a good thing. You, you, you do. You take care. Um, we're, we're both volleyball players and coaches. Um, we, and so I think that one of the things that makes us great, great at what we do is we take care of things we can control. Or we we take what we do best, and, and 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 do that. If that's if contributing money to a cause is what you do best, and, you, and you're not a good orator, you're not then then contribute the money. And I don't want. Right. I'm I'm so sick of people judging somebody. Oh, don't throw money at it. Get out here with us. No, sometimes <laughs> do do what you throw do best. If you're a, if you're a protester, go protest. If you're a good speaker, you're good. You're good on the microphone or the megaphone. Do that. And that's right. that's what collective that's what collective change is about too. Right. right. So I think that even goes to the whole protest uh, ideas where, you know, I don't need somebody coming from out of state and supporting the movement. I want you to be in your own state, in your own town, yeah. supporting a movement from your own area of people that, you know, have conversations at your house. You know, Ooh. I think this whole, you know, the stuff that's going on in the country is so just like, 
you know, stay in your place and make change where you are. Don't go to somebody else's place and make change there. You know, if you truly want change. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if so. if you're a true activist, because activists don't stay, they don't stay in home base. And we both know what we're talking about. And, ooh, we got to, ooh, you and me got to do a whole episode on just on that because because of how people um, fall in line with, with um their, their tribes and not actually have an honest assessment of that but well yeah we come up with I do Rob, we come with that same between, energy boy <laughs> i hear you but there's a difference between travel you know because you can travel and do things but you mm -hmm. don't have to activist you don't have to be an activist outside of a place now if you are an activist within your own hometown in your own area mm -hmm. and that's grown to a place where you can travel and you can <laughs> give resources to other places for sure do like that, making but, sure your you know, vote you is counted at home Right. Right. You got to grow at home first. No, but right. Un unless you have specific chapters in those regions, um, you know, like Virginia, like during the Obama years, they had they had trouble making sure people's votes were being counted without getting into too much detail. And, you know, thank God the NT NAACP has chapters and, and that's cool. You know, so. All right. So let's move on. We're moving on. I mean. I, I got like a little news feed and I just, you know how we do, Rob. We just, we just put them out Keep there rolling. and we just have our little first take. So let's move on. PTI to like. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Let's move on to uh, Bruce Arians. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians uh, continued a back and forth with um, uh, NFL PA executive director Demora Smith. Um, basically what started this was Bill, um, Bruce Arians said, and I quote, uh, protests and don't do crap in my opinion um and instead of um he says he's seen it since 1968 and he wants people to take action and i think uh we can get into what i thought thought he meant but that doesn't matter right now if that's the intro and and um excuse me for a second the demora smith basically said everyone's entitled to their opinion but he is woefully misinformed about the history of protests both within sports and in america and Bruce Arians replied by saying, yeah, I have a history and, and it might be a little longer than his. So um, your first take to to this this um, back and forth, which um, some might seem combative. Yeah, so <clears throat> it sounds like an argument. You know, it sounds like somebody, you know, which who, whichever side it's coming from, because it can be argumentative and then it can create an argument. But the whole issue is what, what, what are they trying to, you know, what are they trying to talk about here? You know, what is the real issue? You know, and I think when you see that, you see that, you know, they're really not talking about anything and somebody's trying to put the foot down against somebody else. So, and, and just like the hypotheticals of what, I, you know, I feel like Bruce Arians is talking about or where he's living at. For me, you don't have to be the person that you say you are being. So, Bruce can see what he saw in 1968 and have his belief about what he's saying, but then also give the players an amazing opportunity to speak their mind and to, you know, put himself in the best situation to change whatever circumstance he came from. So I don't think that just because he said something, everybody should take it as law. I believe that if you feel like pro protesting is going to get you to a place, then protest you know that is your right i feel though that bruce is coming from a different place of protesting is 
effective, but there are more effective methods. There are more areas and, and methods that maybe he was taught as a kid or he was shown as a kid in those earlier rides that see this is what they're doing but this is what they should should be doing or this is what they could be doing and i think it's just for him to pass on that message instead of saying oh they don't know what they're doing oh you know you know this is this they have no idea what's going on they're, they're dumb enough to do this so they can't even learn you know the, everybody in this planet is smart enough to understand a principle you know i think there's a lot of people who are just lost in the world because our country for a very long time has been stuck on a dream in 1950. We've never snapped to come to the new, uh, you know, 21st century. We've always been stuck on this, you know, everybody get a house, everybody get, uh, as much as you can do, you know, as many cars as you can, as much food as you can. And just, that's it. That's the American dream. You know, it's not about collective community build for each other. And we're going to grow together. And I think that's just what's, what's, what's coming undone. So it's unfortunate, but that's, that's, that's where I feel like we are. I think, honestly, I think what you said in the last subject wasn't, was enough to knock out both topics (laughs) because you already, I think you already said in your diatribe earlier on uh, what I'm about to say now. He, Bruce Arians, um, Rob, I don't, completely agree with the general concept of pro- protest don't mean crap because if um if you look at what martin luther king did peaceful protest it incited something um uh, uh, it wasn't a track it wasn't a, a hundred meter dash right it was a, it was a marathon so it was one of those things that you only knew that history would be would be more um understanding to to the art of protesting than than what happened uh protesting the vietnam war um created uh the concept of getting rid of a draft right i took a deck maybe a decade and a half i think 1979 or 82 i'm not sure of the year but that's when the there is no draft in the in the military anymore but and i i strongly believe that it had a lot to do with the 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 people wanting collective change on just not going to 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 these needless wars where people have to die needlessly Uh, they can die but now now we can die voluntarily so with that being said i I, I like what he said. He said everyone's entitled to their opinion, but it's clear he's woefully misinformed about the history of protests, both written sport and sports in America. I think it's the media's way of trying to stir up, stir the pot. I think he's saying I respect his opinion, and I, I, respectfully, I think he's wrong. And I think in this cancel culture, if you're if you're a white man, um, and if you say something that's not in lockstep with a black ass activist leaders and the people who support such activism. They, they, they're looking for ways to cancel you. <laughs> they're looking for ways to cancel you. And they took, just like Joe Rogan and just like a lot of other white people who have opinions uh, that, that are just their own, however agreeable, disagreeable, they swung and they missed. They swung and they missed because, Bruce, um, what happens is if they find your statement disagreeable, the next thing comes, they're going to try to delve into your history and, and see who you are as a person in your relations to black people. Oh, maybe he's a closet racist, or or maybe he just enjoys a white privilege. And Bruce Aaron's acknowledged he's white, and he and he does he does have that privilege. But I don't make that logical correlate correlation or connection to this. Um, and then you look in his history, and you're like, all right, wow, he's like the first guy to actually have a black roommate in college college football. Hmm. All right. What else? 
James Barber, uh, one of two black players. That was his roommate. And by the way, he's the father of TK, Tiki Barber and Rondi Barber, the identical uh, twins who played the, for the Giants, as you know. And, and, won a, and Rondi won a Super Bowl with the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it's crazy how all things, things come all full circle. Um, he has long credited his upbringing in a diverse community for his progressive stances on social and racial issues. So he's not a black guy to protest, but he's been a white guy down for the movement from the beginning. So he 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 um, doesn't feel the same plight, but he understands because he's literally in the ash. He's been there from day one. And he's also the only current NFL uh, coach that has a black offensive coordinator a black defensive coordinator, a black special teams coordinator, and a run uh, and a running backs coordinator and an assistant head coach. His entire staff basically on the upper echelon is an African American. And that's different from saying, "Oh, I'm not a racist because I know one black person." This is neck deep in it. And not just that, he's the head coach. Everybody else behind him is African American. Do you know how important that is, Rob? Because the, in the chain of command, the next position is a head coach. The next position for that special teams coach is an offensive, an OC or a DC offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. Uh, the a running backs coach or assistant coach, the next position is something up the, up the chain of command. So this man is doing his part, I think selfishly. I mean, because he, I don't think the guy's going to hire someone that's black that's not qualified. <laughs> He's like, wait, they're black and they're good? I'll take them. <laughs> Makes me look good. So, I mean, it's some of it's selfish, but we both know he could, they, like a lot of NFL coaches, or, or I'm not calling the NFL coach coaching staff uh, staffs uh, good old boys clubs. They're not. The owners are good old boys club, but you could, he could have went white. <laughs> You know, but I, I think he went the Chris Rock route. I think he, he went tie goes to the black man. <laughs> so, so big up to him. Uh, the article rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't even know if I should have even brought it up on the show because at the end of the day, uh, it's much ado about nothing. It's, it's, it's one guy that's like saying, hey, you know, you're, what you're saying is not politically correct. And I, and I think you're wrong. I don't think they're enemies, <laughs> right? They, these, do you think that you think um, Demora Smith and Arians are enemies? No. Uh, do you think some of his players were hurt by what Arians said? Maybe some thought he was racially in, insensitive. But Bruce, if you think you're going to get an apology for Bruce Arians, <laughs> no, you're going to have to miss me with that one. I don't even agree with him, but I, but I, 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 I respectful. Let's let's just say I respectfully disagree with him because. I can't disagree with him sitting on a perch after the, after what this man has has done and has been doing. No, nope, miss me. Shame, 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 shame. Perfect. All right, Rob. Shame or no shame. The Yankees. Oh, the Mets blew a five-point lead, had a 94% chance of winning the game in their first game in the doubleheader, led 7-2. Blowing a nine-point lead, was it shame or no shame? Well, uh, being a New York Yankee fan, uh, <clears throat> probably always going to go with shame when it comes to New York Mets, um, except for when they got to the playoffs. Had to go support. But, yeah, uh, I just think, you know, the Mets are always, you know, they're kind of like the Jets. They always find a way to lose. And, you know, they're 
unfortunately their fan base sticks with them so you know more power to them but definitely shame rob i gotta go with no shame because i mean once the yankees got momentum who in their right mind absent of percentage and percentile of chance did not think the mets were going to blow this game so for me i go no shame because i thought it was more about the yankees taking an opportunity because the yankees still have to score the runs five runs in the seventh inning and then eventually winning eight seven and then subsequently winning the second um game of the doubleheader no shame it's the mets <laughs> shame's already been there so rob shame or no shame carson wentz is missing a lot of practice time due to uh tissue da- tissue uh, damage illness um in light of the fact they don't have an uh they really didn't have a uh, um what do you call it a preseason shame or no shame that he's missing so much time um I would say probably no shame, but for me, I'm going to go with this whole career for, for right now where I'm going to say shame because I have an issue with Carson Wentz. I really think that he's just an intra-prone uh, type of athlete now, now that, I, now that I really see the full story where he honestly probably possesses a little less potential than people say because he hasn't been able to put really all of it together. It's just yeah. been in spurts, but... I feel like if he doesn't get under, uh, out of this injury uh, injuries bug thing, then you know I don't really see him being that successful. Yeah, I, I kind of got to go with shame with you on this one. Oops, sorry. Uh, let's do that. I got to go with shame with you on this one because he's been injured since he, since his freshman year. It's I mean the honeymoon's over that first year when he was out there just doing his thing and and we had this, this mvp caliber season we haven't seen that since and a lot of it has come from him not playing injured but just getting injured i mean he's got a to me the best way to get out there and, and heal from your injuries is not only do, to do physical therapy but constantly just get get the reps in sometimes the best way unless it's a, an injury that requires that you don't play at all um then don't play at all <laughs> and that's all i got that's, that's such a weird shame or no shame um and that's all we got for shame or no shame all right we're back um now we're gonna do a segment we call quick question rob quick question does it really matter if the clippers face the jazz or the nuggets uh i think so uh i think the nuggets are a little bit more tougher of a of a matchup so definitely the i think it'll be the the jazz will be a tougher matchup, uh, easier matchup. I got to go no, because I think both teams are playing well and they're going to get, either they're going to get the sauce or they're going to play up. Quick question. After this weekend, does the are the Lakers the, uh, the favorite to win it all? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I think it's a little bit more competitive than people put out. Um, I, I think, again, we'll see a, a bunch of seven-game series, and I think there'll be a lot of good teams ready to win that championship yep. at the end. I say yes, but tentatively, but behind uh, some third player has to step up in order to beat the Clippers and they beat whoever comes out of the East. Um, quick question. I'll go first on this one. Does Adesanya, Israel Adesanya, beat Paulo Costa? Yes. Yes. It's going to be a five round decision. And I think that oxygens need muscle. I mean, who did I just say that? Muscles need oxygen. And I think he'll, he'll, he'll leak it out. Um,. I'd have to go with yes, uh, but I think if it goes four, if it goes five, it's I don't think it's going five. But if it goes five, it's going to be Adesanya. If it doesn't go five, it's, it's Costa. 
Uh, quick question, yes or no, does Tyron Woodley beat Colby Covington? I got to say no. Ask me a year ago, I, I saw Tyron just wear his anger all over COVID's, uh, uh, Covington's face. But after that match against Camaro, I got pause the cause. Cause the pause. Damn it. <laughs> um, man, uh, I I want to say no because I really think that Kobe Covington's gonna you know it's just from what I've seen late recently. But I honestly think that Tyron Woolley is gonna do something this fight finally. So I'm gonna say yes. All right, quick Tyron question. Gonna win. Cool, quick question. Yes or no? Do the Yankees win the World Series this year? No. No, okay. I don't think so. Got to go no. Uh, Tampa, they got to find a way past Tampa Bay, who's owned them the before, you know, last year and this year. Uh, last quick nowhere. question, yes or no, does the does NCAA beach volleyball happen next spring? Yeah, I think so. I think beach volleyball is uh, one of the easier sports to keep under, under check. So, nice. yes. Cool. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes the segment of our new segment of Quick Question. And we were a lot quicker this week than last week. Last week was still fun, too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, sports movie of the week. Uh, my sports movie of the week is The Hurricane. People, go watch The Hurricane. Oscar-worthy performance by Denzel Washington uh, playing the character of Reuben Hurricane Carter, who spent 30 years in prison for a crime he did not commit. Um, uh, Vasella Shannon plays the, char the character Lezra, which is basically Lazarus. Lazarus. So basically what happens is he gets put in jail, prosecuted, convicted, convicted and sentenced to life. He and his uh, the guy who was his driver that night for a crime they didn't commit. Two black people shot up a bar and to the police at that night, any two black people would have done. Uh, held by a jury of his peers, wink, wink, uh, was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. And based on the true story, his release was inspired by a kid who read his book. He wrote a book called The Hurricane, and when the kid read the book, asked his surrogate family at the time who was educating him, what are we going to do about it? And they're like, what do you mean we're going to, what are we going to do about it? And this kid inspired um, his caretakers, and the caretakers inspired lawyers, and the lawyers inspired law enforcement to get back on board with this, eventually leading to this, this man's um, well-deserved and justified freedom the killers by the way were never caught but you you want you want a powerful movie and, and you you want to see denzel washington at his absolute best if there is such a if there is ever not such a thing i give you the hurricane yeah or just a sports movie with denzel i don't think he's done too many sports movies yeah well remember uh, the my, titans right yeah yeah but i mean like you know him being the the actual mm -hmm. you know athlete but yeah, uh, my sports movie, I'd have to go with uh, Major League. I think we talked about it once or twice, but um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I love that movie as a baseball player when I was younger. Um, just kind of like a, you know, a, a very comedic movie about, you know, a team who's not as good. Um, they, they're supposed to lose every game and it happens in a lot of sports where teams are just supposed to lose so they get a good draft pick or they get some funds for the league uh it's, it's a very financial thing so <clears throat> it's nice to see you know a band of players who kind of outfits and you know guys who are about to leave a league or not believed in and, and they kind of come together and find a, a common goal to you know do really well and they actually you know come back and, and uh, make the playoffs and and do their due diligence uh by the end of the season but through all this turmoil that the owner puts on them. It's just a great movie. Uh, he's got, yeah. I believe, 
Charlie three, Sheen, you know, two, Wesley two, Snipes. two, two more movies after. It's Melee yeah, one, two, three. But nothing beats so, that yeah. original. Yeah, nothing beats the original. You got you know fantastic cast. You know, all of them have gone on to do great movies. You got um, Pedro you know, just Serrano. Pedro Serrano, you know, great, great. You know, <laughs> Willie Mays Hayes. Oh, um, just fantastic cast. So um, yeah, that'd be my sports movie for the week. How about McKibben Beards? What are you thinking? Probably a three. I mean, I love that movie, but you know, it's it's a you know a nineteen eighty five you know comedy sports comedy movie. So there's a lot of them out there, and uh, I love it. It's, it's it's hard to give sports comedy movies four stars. Like uh, four four beards, I get that. Uh, Hurricane definitely gets four though. I, gets, I mean, yeah, Hurricane. Gets uh, it's four right on four or five, four and four yeah. and a half beards, just, maybe. Just way way over the top. Maybe um, four beards in a five o'clock shadow. So Rob, um, in parting, uh, before we go, I wanted to read. Um, um, I think I'm going to use this to speak for the both of us because I think we both went over this. Getting back to Chadwick Boseman, getting back to the movie Black Panther, which I encourage, speaking of four-star movies, I encourage all of you guys to see. I personally thought Infinity Wars was better, a better movie that year, but there's this, this love fest going over Black Panther at that time, or there was, that... Um, Whatever, I'm, I'm I'm the minority. I think everyone everyone else thought Black Panther was better, and that's fine. That's cool, but I want to leave everybody with this because it, this is certainly applicable to our political, our social, and our overall climate the last year and a half, um, and and much longer for a lot of other people who have suffered and 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 the media has not given its due, its due attention. I leave you all with this, if I may, Rob. Wakanda will no longer watch from the shadows. We cannot. We must not. We will work to be an example of how we as brothers and sisters on this earth should treat each other. Now, more than ever, illusions of division threaten our very existence. And we all know the truth. More connects us than separates us. But in times of crisis, the wise, the wise builds bridges, while the foolish builds barriers. We must find a way to look after one another as if we are one single tribe. That's that is a mic drop if I ever had one. And um, yeah, and Rob, I, I read that speaking for both of us because I was 90 percent sure you're going to co-sign with me on that. Absolutely. Cool, man. Well, Rob might love you guys, but I had enough of you. OK, for all of you at home, for all of you on your uh, iPad at Starbucks, for all of you on your droid for all of you on your desktop who runs the world old school old school for rob keep it mclean mclean this was episode 32 love you guys to pieces i'm jason debeus and we say we're out come check out the option podcast on optiondb.com it's also available on itunes and spotify and on youtube under the ny varsity sports handle you're gonna love what you hear